seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 129 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, and for 129 episodes, I still got my main man down in Texas, Brian Allen. How is it going, dude? Doing well. Actually, it's like it's really going to be spring now, and I guess it's going to stay spring for the foreseeable future. Man, that, that's a big deal in Texas because you don't get changing seasons well like we get up here. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking at 55 degrees and lots of daylight, which is real, real nice for day to day life. Bad when you're trying to film and have like different levels of light coming in your house. But yeah, 55 counts as spring for uh, Washington area, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's good stuff. Like our, our like actual hot is like 88 degrees. <laughs> And then it, it'll get hot for real for like two weeks. You'll like some areas, depending on where you are, might tap a hundred, and then oh, you'll have okay. a couple. You'll get a couple that are going to be like low to mid nineties, but that only really lasts like a week or two, and then we're kind of back to like <laughs> eighty something. <laughs> that's that's December around here. But but you know what's crazy though? Nobody up here, like, like no newer houses do, but there were a lot of places up here that weren't built with ceiling fans and AC. Because, I mean, why would you if you only get, you know, a week of summer a year? Yeah, that was the crazy thing. When we were looking at places to move, we kept looking at places and going like, why does nobody even have a ceiling fan? Like, I (laughs) get if you don't have an AC. Like, that sort of makes sense. But, like, just for circulating air or whatever, or just keeping it somewhat cool in your room at night or whatever, like a ceiling fan. And ceiling fans aren't expensive. That's the thing. Like, if you were building a house to sell, like, just spend an extra like hundred bucks and whatever, another 50 to a hundred to install the say the ceiling fans. You know what I mean? Like they don't have to be fancy. Just have something. I mean, hell you can go down to Lowe's and get a hundred dollar ceiling fan. They'll install it for 70 bucks or whatever. It's crazy <laughs> talk. Moving the air around in your house. Yeah. Like, dude, I'm telling you just totally culturally different. Like it's a little thing you take for granted. But right. once it's not there, you're just like, God, we need ceiling fans. You know what I mean? Like, but in Texas, you can't sell a place. One, if mm. it doesn't have AC, you're probably getting bottom dollar anyway. But yeah. if you don't have ceiling fans, you for sure aren't going to sell it. You got to have one or the other. Minimum. And even with all that, you still carry your portable fan in every room, especially if you try to go to sleep at night. Yeah, it still might be hot as hell, even with all that on. Like, that's what's crazy about the whole thing. Oh, man. But. Yeah, spring. We're enjoying it. It actually has turned well. I can get out and walk around and really just going for neighborhood walks and stuff now. It's actually been pretty cool. But before we get into things, we want to pay some bills and tell you, please go check out our sponsor for the show, Cardsphere.com. One of the great places that you can go and buy and sell cards at the price you want. One of the only ones really that I know of right now that's active and busy that does that. And they support a lot of upcoming, upcoming, up and coming. There you go. That's better. Up and coming magic content creators of all different sizes. So, you know, for that alone, you should go pay them some love. And if you want to support the show directly, you can check us out over at patreon.com slash color magic for just two dollars. You can help us out and we really appreciate it. And if you want to get something for yourself. Check out color of slash shop where we have tokens and play mats and 
I want to give a shout out to one of our patrons because we like to give random shout outs every show to our patrons. Jacob Jardell, who's only been with us since January 21, but that's a full year plus already. So thanks for coming on board and supporting the show. Now it's time for uh, some soapbox action. Because uh, this is gonna this is gonna be some interesting stuff. <clears throat> I think I need to clear my throat for this one. Okay. Now, if you if you grew up with even a, I wouldn't even say just weird name, but just like abnormal black name, you've probably had your name mispronounced a bunch of different ways. Not, not that uncommon. Like, I have been Deacon. I have been Dewan has gotten mail at my house. Uh, I've, I've been Dequane. I've actually been Dewayne. They've changed it entirely. That's been a thing. So you kind of just get used to it and take it for granted. However, I have never once been running for a public office, much less running for one of the highest offices in the country that we have. And I'm talking about Katanji Brown. Like, the problem I have is that I feel like I've seen no less than 10 or 12 reporters, which means there's probably tons more, that can't be bothered to learn her name. And it's like, this is a woman who, by, by all practical standards, is more qualified than every other damn person we have in the Supreme Court right now. And she's had to go through the most ridiculous question. By the way, if you want to see more ridiculous questions to see how stupid our elected officials are, go watch that crap from last week. It just, they're, they're asking questions that have nothing to do with her. And then other questions about, you know, well, how would you, would you be impartial on this thing? Well, yeah, that's my job as a judge to interpret the law. I don't like, no, I'm totally in the bag. <laughs> yeah, like, literally like, it, like just so many dumb things, so many dumb things. But I'm watching all these uh, same reporters. They'll come right off of a story talking about weirdly named city in Russia. Hard to pronounce city in the Ukraine. But then, you know, Katana Brown is trying to get a, a Supreme Court seat. And it's like, really? That's what you're going to do that woman's name? Like, you took time to practice how to say a long ass name city in Russia but you didn't take 30 seconds to make sure you could pronounce Katanji right. And don't get me wrong. Like I, I have done commentary for things, obviously. Like I have had to read off lists of stuff and makes announcements. I'll usually, if I have time and I know what's coming up, I'll at least be like, Hey, what's the proper pronunciation of this person's name? Or how should I speak about this person? Or, you know, are, are there specific pronouns or whatever? Like things I just need to know so I could do my job. And that's not for that's for people who are just hanging out playing games or doing small public things every once in a while. Like, I'll be damned if I'm going to do a report or a live report on somebody that's running for the Supreme Court and I can't say their name. I, I keep thinking of Les Desmond on WKRP and how he'd always be like, Chai Chai Rodriguez came in first. And just exactly. That's what it's like, though, man. It's like you didn't take a second. And again, don't be wrong. I'm sure Katanji's had her name pronounced 
way oh, yeah. more different ways than mine's probably been pronounced. So it probably doesn't bother her in the least. But it is it is a sign of disrespect that you have not taken the time when it's literally your job to report on a thing to give a damn about the people. And and you know what's worse too, as a society, even hearing other people get it wrong, is like we spent forever talking about Benedict Cumberbatch. People not only could people go around and pronounce Khaleesi, they were spelling it right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we've had these opportunities where we had all these other crazy ass names. People seem to get those right just fine. But when you have a black person doing a thing, you can't pronounce the name. Like, come on, y'all. And maybe, maybe it hits home because I'm used to it. I know what it's like. I, I I look at it and just go like, my name's mostly like if you get close, it's good. But it's phonetic for the most part. Like you don't have to try. <laughs> like you really don't. Like if you looked at it and went, I wonder how you say this, and you just guess, you're probably gonna be close if you put any level of thought into it. But when somebody comes back and like, yeah, Dwayne, I'm curious, like, what? How did you like <laughs> like where where did the, the W's and Y's come from? Like, come on, people. So yeah, it, it, and to me, that is like one more level where we were talking about, or I at least mentioned it on socials last or two weeks ago, where you're seeing all these reporters that are making the stories about the Ukraine very personal. And even and even reporter even said. These are blonde-haired, white, uh, blue-eyed people, and blah blah. Like, so they're not even hiding the fact that you're making more sort because it's white people. They they've been making, and I'm not trying to make it a big racial thing, but they are directly saying this. And they're saying, "Oh well, this isn't the same type of like conflict like you'd see in the Middle East or whatever." These people, blah. blah. And I'm like, wait, why does it matter less for them than it does for these people? You know why. Yeah, but when you see these same reporters now doing stories on these, and like I said, pronouncing everything perfectly, even names where I'm like, I got to go look that up. You know what I mean? Right. Like they're getting it right. So they've obviously put in their time to learn it. But then when it's time to talk about Katanji Brown, you haven't even learned to say her name right. It's like that. that's just disrespectful on so many levels. And good on her getting, I mean, you know, She's going to be confirmed, get the seat and all that stuff. But like, good on her. I mean, she put up with a lot of crap. She The questioning was stupid. But good on her. All right, I'm done. I'm passing this one over to you, dude. All right. Uh, Walt Disney World, of all places, recently booked a high school drill team from Port Natchez here in Texas. And uh, their mascot, you probably can tell where the story's going to go from the mascot. Their, uh, their their drill team are called the Indianettes. Yeah. All right. Like, <laughs> before we even get to the rest of the story, dude, like, I, I told you off cat. Like, I already have problems with places that have to say, like, like, at right. Baylor, like, this is the, the, Baylor Lady Bears or whatever, like, cause it, you just it just sounds silly, like that we have to like prefix that we don't go like this is the Baylor Men's Bears or whatever, like you know what I mean? It's it's just whatever. That's already a problem, but Indianettes just sound stupid, right? For for a number of reasons, and yes, they wear horrible costumes modeled after Native American clothing. 
And, uh, you know, it, it, dur- during their performance at Walt Disney World of all places, they I guess they went with, you know, it was, it was probably one of their standard cheers. And it included things like, hey, scalp them, Indian scalp them. I wish I were making this up. Wait, what? So, yeah. wait. So there's a, so, man, okay, there's so much for me to, like, right. break down in this thing. So you're telling me there's a school in Texas mm-hmm. that went to... I don't know, maybe go march in this parade or whatever at Disney World that showed up dressed like Native Americans. Yep. <laughs> and were yelling to scout people. Yes, because I I mean, high school kids, I guess that's what they've been. He's a chance they've been learning for probably in some cases, four full years of high school. Man, see, and y'all wonder why we don't want to go visit some places and play in events like for real. Like I'm. I almost like on that note, I almost just want to like it. That's it, y'all. This is how you can find us on social media. Like, I mean, like, we're not like that is so absurd. If this doesn't explain why you need to be rid of Native American themed mascots, like, that's wild. So, I guess for decades they've been doing this, enchanting things like this. Because apparently, the, this team has appeared at Disney World, they said eight or nine times. I guess this is just the, the first time they used the scalpum chant. Yeah, because see, like, I mean, like, because I, I, my school, we went and we, we, our band marched in the parade a couple of times or whatever. So, I could see how schools would make, you know, every couple of years, maybe take a trip out there, senior trip or whatever. Like, like that part makes sense. And I kind of get it. I guess if if they behave themselves, they got invited back, and that was probably cool. But yeah, like even and here's here's what's worse: if you've never done that, why would you just do that now? You know what I mean? Like with all the stuff going on socially and whatever, like what makes you think now? Like you've been invited. This is your third, fourth time get to come back and perform in their parade. Like, what would make you think now is the time to start being like? Yeah, scalp them. Like, what? They've, I guess, had no discussions, or at least no meaningful discussions, about how inappropriate that is until now. God, I'm I'm just like, dude, I am seriously floored. Like, don't get me wrong. It's they're from Texas, and we yeah, I'm not shocked by it. I hate we, to say we know it. a lot of mess up, but the fact that they just rolled that out publicly and loudly, like. That's the part that I'm just like, whoa. Means they've been rolling that out every week during football, basketball, insert sports season here. Yeah. And see he, that. It took going to Disney World and people being shocked and appalled for them to go, oh, was that bad? See, you get it. That's where my brain's headed, right? Because I'm like, like should we not have done that? Yeah, <laughs> was so that wrong? I'm like, is this just a thing that like they just do every week? Like just, Clearly. Just, man. So many questions. So Until many questions. Now, I guess no. I would say nobody, but not enough people. Hey, it took going to Disney World for them to realize. Oh yeah, that's bad. My God, yeah, that. Some people like, yeah. There's there's not even much to say about it. Like it's just it's just effed up on every level. And of course, Disney World spokesperson has said steps will be taken to make sure it doesn't happen again. I'm assuming one of the steps is like this drill team that never set foot on Disney World property again, right? Oh yeah, y'all ain't coming <laughs> back. Yeah, yo, you know for real, y'all ain't coming back. Like this, you had a good run. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, 
you, there's going to be some school group that be like, so we're going to fundraise to go to Disney World again. And they're like, well, hey, new, we new, might be new. going to Branson. Right. <laughs> like, and don't no hate to Branson. I hear it's actually pretty cool, and I actually would like to go there at some point. But it's six not flags, Disney World. they'll take your money. <laughs> oh yeah, six flags to take your money. Like for real. Damn, that is a wild story though, dude. For real. I don't even. Damn. 2022, folks. 2022. Yeah, I mean, that's all I can say to that. Just damn. You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> that's all I got. I was like, for real. And the thing that also makes these stories wild, right, when we find all this stuff to talk about, is that there are, like, parents and administrators and whatever involved in all these things, and they've just been cool with this the whole time. Mm-hmm. Right, that's there the part. People still defending it even after this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, that's the part we don't really don't, talk don't, about, right? Cancel culture doesn't belong here. Come on, yo. It's just... Exactly. It's not cancer culture. It's here. The the tough part is, and I felt this when I was growing up because like you would watch westerns and you would see people saying things or whatever, yeah. especially in Texas. They were just like, you know, dumb assumptions. But then I would like talk to my Native American friends and I'd ask them something and they're like, no, that never happens or no, that's stupid. You know, or like walk around saying like how or whatever, right? Like that's not a thing they do. And I'm like, I don't know. They did it in all the Westerns. I didn't know. But now I felt bad. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah, we just had a bunch of stuff that there's like, yeah, none of that makes any sense. We don't do any of this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my bad. <laughs> if you think about the black people that you saw in TV shows or in the, in the, for example, 1970s. Yeah, I get it. And I, and I, and what's worse is, and this is why it's bad because it if you don't know somebody of that culture or background personally you won't ever know it's wrong right you know that that's because i only know because i knew people <clears throat> and that makes a difference right but if it wasn't for that i wouldn't have known for years i would like to think i eventually would have discovered stuff or whatever because i have a pretty diverse group of friends but like it might have taken a while but yeah, that's a that's a hell of a story, dude. Uh, that that is a good one to share. But why don't we get into some more interesting and uh, fun things to kind of talk about? And in this time, it's time to talk about what did we learn. So, Brian, why don't you start and tell everybody what it was that you learned last week that you want to share? This blew my mind. But apparently, b- before they became famous, Kid Play. Salt and Pepper and Martin Lawrence all worked in the same Sears call center. Can you imagine what that work environment must have been like? You talk about the, the rare case where you are happy to get up and go to work at your call center every day. Man, like, dude, I like that had to be easily the most hyped place to work in the right? history of the U.S., and you know, there's people been telling their kids, like, I swear I worked at a call center with Martin Lawrence. A kid. No, you didn't. Stop it. These yeah, are lies. Like, but not because you imagine walking in like you're coming into work and Martin standing up on like a desk trying to like work some material on some right. people or like at lunch, getting play or showing some new dance moves or right. something like I mean, like that would be wild. Like I, I seriously, I would be mad to be late to work. <laughs> you really would. I, uh, 
I saw it as part of uh, the, the kind of Lifetime movie that talks about salt and pepper. No, we need like, we need some kind of workplace sitcom or something that just, <laughs> the chronicles, these, these exploits. You know, there had to be just a million crazy things that happened at that place. I mean, just a documentary of just, right? how did that, like, I mean, they obviously had to have all lived in the same city or nearby, but like, how does that even, like, the confluence of all those things to get that much talent in one room and they all end up being names later. And for those you don't know, these are all people that were like, I, I would say critical to like nineties black culture. Oh, absolutely. Some yeah. people are you know, groundbreaking in, in uh, hip hop. Oh yeah, for sure. Hell, we still listen to their stuff. Right. So yeah, that, that would be, man, Kid would, and Play basically got their own movie franchise. Oh, uh, yeah, because they got like three or four in a row on that thing. Yep. Yeah, and Martin, obviously, he's been in movies, done a bunch of stand-ups, whatever. But, yeah, I couldn't even... Th- this almost sounds hard to believe. It's wild. But, I mean, after I saw that, like, yeah, there's no way this happened. But I looked at it up, like, no, this really... This was a thing. That is cool, man. I... I Man, you know though that does explain some things because there was a lot of stuff even in the kid and play movies they had salt and pepper in a couple of times. Yeah, and, that makes, and I think Martin Lawrence kind of got his start opening for salt and pepper. Yeah, so. so like some of those things now. Now that you're saying it, I'm kind of running back some stuff I've heard and things I've seen, and I'm like, this connects the dots a little bit that this whole crew kind of knew each other and came up together or whatever. So I, that that makes sense. Wow, that is cool, man. What what are the odds? And I, the closest thing I got to that is crazy story is uh, I almost almost got to go have go to a movie preview uh, with uh, Kevin Sorbo. Wow. I have, to, I have to tell you that story sometime. That okay. whole thing like fell apart. Uh, kind of turns out OK, though, because Kevin Sorbo went a little bit off the deep end. So yeah. It maybe it was for the best. <laughs> you know, like man. he would have tried to make you sit in a different part of the theater and all likelihood. Maybe. I mean, which is sad because at the time I was like, "Ooh, I might get to hang out with Hercules." Right? Like, I mean, like, talking about '90s, like that was '90s cool right there. Hercules yeah. And, and, then that, and then I was, man, I have so many crazies. Maybe I need to start having a segment of just like stories from the game shop because, oh my god, it's true Hollywood stories. Oh yeah, for real. Because man, I have stuff. I have a separate Kevin Sorbo story that has to do with those little cutout standees or wherever he has the store. <laughs> that's super hilarious. But yeah, I, I feel like I have a story for everything these days. Oh my gosh! I, I, that's this is what it's like. I think when you when you start getting old, you're like, man, I got a story. Let me let me tell you something, young blood. Like you know, yeah. like I'm gonna be that guy soon. <laughs> uh, any and every black dude knows one of those old guys, right? Like ah, settle down. Let me tell you something, young blood. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm getting way off track. But, <laughs> Man, with the week we've had and stuff that's been going on, like this, there, the people are just getting to hang out with us today. You know, this is what's going on. But no, I wanted to bring up that I I got kind of reminded of how much crossover there is from the magic and even to a larger extent, like the tabletop gaming community and wrestling fans. Like, because I told you before, I've done some commentary where I kind of like jokingly threw in some funny. JR one-liners and stuff where it made sense and a few people in the chat kind of liked it and whatever but then when the when the Scott Hall stuff went down a couple weeks ago when he passed so many people were sharing like their favorite 
clips and, you know, they were using his catchphrases and they were changing their avatar. And I was like, oh, cool. I didn't know this person was in wrestling or I didn't know they even understood that reference. And then it kind of led to some other people sharing like their favorite stuff in wrestling. And then other people like the number of people that know about Steiner math now <laughs> is hilarious because the Steiner math segment is one of the all time promos. You know, but there's people that some people even said they don't necessarily even know the reference that well, but they're surrounded by enough people that know it in their gaming circles that they've just picked up on it. So like they're becoming like wrestling informed secondhand. And I was like, man, there really is a lot of crossover there. And I'm wondering if that's just wrestling for as much as people like to joke about how dumb wrestling is and whatever and lowbrow, whatever, you know, apparently, you know, I think it was Harvard that gave Vince McMahon an honorary doctorate in business because, and if I remember right, the story is basically looked at it and analyzed and went like, well, we can't figure it out and we didn't judge us that highly, but you turned it into a billion dollar business. So that's got to count for something. But the fact that I think so many people know it and it shows up so many places, I think it says that it really permeates a lot of just general culture way more than a lot of us pay attention to. Because I tell people, like for me, it's interesting in the sense that it's kind of the last true form of theater I can go participate in where there's somebody who comes out as a character. We know that's not who they are, but they still have to pretend and they get to play to the audience and they yell back and, you know, sometimes insulting people and blah, blah. Like it's a whole interactive thing. But if I go get tickets to Broadway, if you, if you just drink too loud, somebody's going <laughs> to tell you to shut up. You know right. what I mean? Like it's just not the same thing. So it's almost like old Shakespeare in the round sort of a thing with a full on and and wrestling is pomp and circumstance, right? It's pyros, oh, loud music, flashing lights, smoke machines, you know, like it's it's a whole presentation. And if you and you know, especially in black culture, wrestling's big. Right? You hell, there's probably 15 different rappers that have a song about Ric Flair. Right. <laughs> you know, like hell, Rick Ross has hung out with with wrestlers like so it's it's a real thing. Hell, Snoop Dogg's uh Sasha Banks cousin and he's done he's in the WB Hall of Fame or whatever. So it's kind of interesting to see how much crossover there is. Cause I think it's one of those things. It's easy to look at wrestling and be like, oh, this is just some dumb soap opera for dudes, which, you know, you're not wrong. It is kind of our stories for us dudes. Cause you know, cause that's all the old, old ladies that like, I got to watch my stories, you know, like, <laughs> soap operas have been around for at this point, like almost a hundred years. So, yep. That's just the way it is. It is, but it, it's, it's fun. It's interesting, but yeah. So if you ever want to talk about wrestling, you might want to mention it to your game groups. You'd be surprised. A bunch of them probably actually are wrestling fans. You might get some people to watch the pay-per-view with or whatever. Which, speaking of, WrestleMania is this weekend. I'll probably be watching it. Hashtag not sponsored. But hashtag would take your sponsorship. Nice. <laughs> like, just being real. I mean, I dude, let, mm, let somebody from WB roll up on me tomorrow oh, yeah. and be like, hey, we need you to do some shout-outs for WrestleMania. Should we do four shows in a row talking right. about WrestleMania? Like, for real. But all right, let's get into some interesting news of the week. So I found out about a group called Community this last week with instead of an O has an X, which is an interesting spelling. I kind of got like what they're doing there. But they kind of do different social things and trying to raise the profile of minorities and stuff. And it's actually pretty cool. I didn't know they existed at all. This is one of those ways social media worked perfectly for me. Just friend of a friend was talking about a thing and somebody had a TikTok and they were excited about it. And then I was excited about it because there was an Uno tournament 
And in the Hell most yeah. in the most black thing of black things, it was an Uno tournament to raise money for HBCUs. And I'm like, yeah, this is perfect. I'm in. And it was a cool deal. Like they got uh, a couple of known content creators and a couple of like celebrities or wherever to get on and play. And it was pretty cool. So Big Cheese, if you don't follow Big Cheese Kit, you should probably follow him. Dude's really funny. Uh, big Tampa Bay fan, which is also hilarious because he was freaking out with like Tom Brady quitting and then coming back. Uh, Story Mode Bay was also on one. I wish I remembered all the schools that they represented. I, I best I could go look that up. Uh, Aaron A. Simon and Leonard, Leonard Fournette, who actually is a running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that was just a good time. I mean, what I enjoyed about it is there were four people who were able to trash talk and they were being silly and making fun of each other. And there was just like, I, I think that, man, I think there's a level of trash talk that you know is what's acceptable at a table. You know what I mean? Like when you're yeah. playing some games, like for real, any person who's been around a b- group of black people playing spades or dominoes, <laughs> there, there's going to be, I mean, you might think somebody's about to get their feelings hurt, but when they're done, that's it. You get up from the table, it's finished. We go have a drink, we go do whatever, right? Trash talk is almost as important. Like that's just who won the game, you know, who won the roast battle. Oh yeah, that's that's part of what it is for real. And and oh man, if you you mess something up, you you talking crap, trash, especially Uno. Like you're about to win, and you get draw forward immediately. You know, damn well that person that just hit you with the draw four, you're gonna be hearing that for the next three minutes. <laughs> There's a reason, you know, do this thing or draw 25 has become a meme. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's real, man. That is real. But I, I appreciated it, though, because it was cool to see, like, okay, people were taking a cultural thing. And Uno, everybody plays Uno, obviously. But, like, obviously, it's a thing we grow up with in the black communities. Like, everybody plays Uno. Hell, everybody don't pretty much own multiple Uno sets at very various points in their life. And really using it to go like, hey, let's we're trying to support minorities or whatever. Let's do this thing and turn it into a deal. And it was fun. I mean, now Leonard Fournette got his butt kicked. And it was funny because at one point, because I think they were playing like first to win three games or something. And he didn't have any points on the board. And he was just like, look, y'all, if I don't even get any, I'll just donate money myself to help the school out. <laughs> like, wow. I, think, I think he was just feeling guilty that the school he was representing might not get anything. But yeah, it was all in good fun. The chat was having a good time with it. And it really made me want to see more events like this. And I don't, I mean, whatever you support, it doesn't have to be HPCUs or whatever, but like just taking something that's known in a community or a culture or even within a gaming community and saying, let's let's turn this into a fun thing and, and do something with it. Because I, I feel like too often we get fundraisers, promotions, whatever, that feel like they're structured and they follow a certain thing and like, okay, well, we know this works, so we want to do this. Or even, even like Wizards, they recently did a, a secret layer with the the meme basic lands that have the full wall of text or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's fun. That's a thing we've had in Magic for a while. It's been a meme. We know it's funny. You turned it into an actual card so people could buy it. Right? Like, I think we need more stuff like that out in the world. So I was, I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch any of it? Because I had a good time with it. I didn't get to see the tournament. I did see the uh, the, the thing promoted it. Or, or I'm sure one of the videos promoted it. I'm sure there were a bunch of videos promoting it. <laughs> yeah, and, and it actually went... It went fairly quickly. I mean, but I mean, you're playing Uno, so it wasn't like it was going to be like a four hour ordeal. <laughs> yeah. But, Something's going wrong if your Uno game lasts four hours. Yeah. But it was like, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. So it wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but it was a good quality watch. I think it was good for raising the profile of the people that were involved. 
they got to talk about the different schools. Like it was, it was good. I, I think that's how those type of things should be done. So yeah, credit to them and go look them up. Uh, they do have a Twitch page as well. If you want to catch any of their live streams, but it's uh, spelled community. So with an X, so C X M M U N I T Y. If you want to go look them up. Uh, but Brian, you had a pretty interesting story that I missed in the news somehow. Yeah, we have a new planeswalker incoming. We don't know the name or really any any of their powers or anything yet, but they are going to debut in a comic book from Boom Comics. Boom apparently has the magic license and has for uh, for a couple of years now. If you remember, a uh, Dak Faden, I believe, debuted in one of their comics, but there was also a Dak Faden card that came with the comics. You were able to see him even if you didn't read the comic book. But this this uh, new planeswalker apparently is going to appear just in the comic book first and i'm sure at some point down the line will appear on uh cards and uh in 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 the various uh wizards games and things but that's gonna be a cool thing i'm sure it'll probably be a very uh very uh profitable comic to have your hands on since you know first appearances are kind of a big deal and all we know so far really is that they are somebody so powerful that they have the power either to save or destroy an entire plane so hey Oh, so they're doing like a crap. What was that dude from from Marvel that was like their uh, Superman equivalent, but he was kind of crazy? Oh, yeah. The century. Yeah. That sort of feels like this is kind of what we're going down that road. Definitely. And and also for people, you know, that care about this part of the lore, it's going to it's going to feature Liliana and she's going to Strixhaven. So we may learn exactly how Liliana suddenly became a college professor in magic lore. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, I I don't. I can't maybe they have, but I can't think of a time that somebody had their full on debut in just a magic comic that wasn't like related to a set like like this character's coming out and I don't think it's going to be a new Capenna. No, this is something I think uh, as everything I've read and heard, they believe this is the first time uh, this has been done. So. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. I want and, you know, I have nothing wrong with that. I think it's. I'm a big believer that companies should try things like that sometimes. Definitely. Because you don't know if they work until you at least take a chance on it. And is this good for creating interest in magic or in the character? You know, I think that's going to be an interesting conversation. Are people more excited to see the set that the card debuts in because they become attached to the character? Like, I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of things. I don't, I don't know which way the community is going to respond to that. And uh, Boom had a similar situation where they uh, they have the Mighty, Mighty Morphin Power Ranger license also, and uh, they debuted a character called Lord Dracon in the book, so that became a big deal. I guess he was the first Power Rangers character to just appear in the book, and now he's like a mainstay of the Power Rangers franchise. So. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying, right? Like, you see something come out in a book, and then it's part of a thing later. Like, did that mm-hmm. get... I'm curious if that got people excited for when that character debuted as part of the regular part of the series or whatever or did people like that are super enfranchised feel like they got a reward because they're like oh i like this person from this thing and like you know like i guess to me it sort of sounds like star wars fans right where you read some of the books and i haven't read many of them but you know i have a bunch of friends that have 
And when a character debuts in the newer movies or something, they're like, oh, that's that person. And, you know, they're giving me like the 411 of like, oh, here's the backstory in this person or whatever. And they're kind of into it. Like to me, I'm indifferent because I didn't know they existed before then. But you can tell that they're excited about it because it's the first time they've gotten a visual representation of that character from the story they like. So it's kind of interesting. I don't maybe maybe magic gets some of that effect. And uh, I guess probably the, one of the biggest and best examples of that happening ever was Harley Quinn actually existed in the animated series that Fox did that was incredible before she ever appeared in the comics. And of course, now Harley Quinn is probably second only to Batman in the franchise in popularity. Yeah, Harley Quinn, man, it's, I, like, it's tough because I think we need more female characters represented in general. But man, Harley Quinn's been pushed to the moon and kind of played out, sadly. <laughs> like, like we have we have done almost too much with that poor girl. But yeah, I mean, if people, you know, you got to give the people what they want, and clearly they have been uh, they they have yet to have people. Well, obviously, I guess you're tired of it, but the, 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 they're making a whole bunch of money. Dude, you, you ain't lying. They are still making a ton of money. Hell, she's been the one, the, one of the few constants in the DC movies yeah. in the last couple of years. And I mean, Margot Robbie has been crushing it in the movies as Harley Quinn. Has been, for sure. I ain't even going to lie about that. Hell, honestly, that's probably the only thing I recognize her for these days. <laughs> like, and she's done a lot of stuff. Yeah, but. I mean, but when you play a superhero, it just kind of, <laughs> you, you, that's what so many people are going to see you for. Yeah. Well, man, that's cool. I I hope that actually goes over well, and we get more of that stuff in the future. Plus, and that is uh, that's going to be debuting next month, and I believe the official title is uh, yeah, I think it's Magic: The Hidden Planeswalker. So we'll we'll see. Nice. Now we need to talk about something that's coming up, probably around the time somebody might be listening to this. So, for those of you who didn't know. Wizards of the Coast has a, I guess, weekly program they run on Twitch, usually for about an hour, hour and a half. But this week, they're going to be dedicating time to their organized play announcement. And I would venture to guess, seeing how the arena stream drew pretty well, I would venture to guess this is going to be one of the bigger streams they get as far as audiences and people curious about what they're going to say. Because right now, we have zero idea. I say zero. I have an inkling of some stuff behind the scenes from, you know, as 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 the scuttlebutt goes, as they like yeah. to say. Uh, I have some people that talk to some people that talk to some people. It's and, hard to keep anything secret in the modern age. Yeah. And the only true understanding, and this is kind of, but to be fair, this isn't super secret. This kind of comes back to what Wizard said before at the kind of the beginning of the pandemic that they still did want there to be Grand Prix. They did still want there to be some type of qualifier system. Right. I felt like they announced that somewhere way back and we we're like, OK, cool. We don't know what it's going to look like yet, but we know that's a thing. So I expect to hear how that's going to go, maybe how the invites will be doled out or what stores or organizers get to run them or whatever. But then I kind of want to ask you, Brian, because you like me have played many, many games. And you've played in a lot of different qualifier competitive type things for each game what features of some of those other things had you come across in the past that you would like to see wizards incorporate for magic Ooh, that is a good one uh i think one of my favorite ones is you know raw deal had the diversity rule there could once you cut down the top 
32 there because of course it, it wouldn't be a thing you could do completely amazing because raw deal had kind of your persona where you're the rock you're kurt angles so you could only have let's say one rock in the top 32 so maybe there's something which you could do to maybe some kind of prize for having a, a really unique deck that isn't what everybody else is running th- this week mm, i that's a good one that's a good one and that's something we were big on in the raw deal community for sure because it encouraged people to play lesser characters yeah because okay you might have the best you know rock deck in the world but if there were 10 other people with the same deck you knew you had to pretty much go undefeated or you weren't going to advance yeah and it was just the top 32 different characters make the cut and i thought that was actually pretty sweet yeah i don't know how you could do it for magic other than like so maybe know. some kind of prize, you know, for just having a really unique deck and maybe, you know, people, maybe something you could put on a slip like, hey, like if your opponent had a deck that was really interesting, like, you know, check this, uh, check this box and then somebody go find them. And plus, I guess people also kind of get the deck list at the beginning and you can see kind of what's, oh, this is different and then see how it does throughout the day. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because that's one of the things I just actually, just before you said that, I started thinking about. There's a thing in Warhammer. At least in Warhammer tournament, there used to be. I haven't run or played in a Warhammer tournament in hell, getting close to a decade now. But there was a thing where you would vote, each player would vote individually on like the best painted army, the best sportsman, you know, most interesting army, whatever. And there would be little, there'd be additional awards for those three things or whatever. And that was actually pretty cool. So like your opponents might be like, man, your army was actually pretty unique or you had a different build or whatever. And that was pretty fun. Or, you know, you had the wackiest paint job or whatever, and people thought it was really cool. So it kind of brought something else to the table. Like if if people, I don't know, maybe staff or whoever, I don't know, whoever gets to vote on like, what was the most interesting deck that got presented during the day? Like that would be fun. Now, again, I don't know how you would verify or there'd have to be rules, obviously, but and because I think in Warhammer, the way they did it was like everybody graded their opponents effectively. At the end okay. of each round, you just like check these little boxes when you hand your sheet in. So and it was like a one to five scale or something. And then whoever got the most points at the end of the event, you know, you won whatever category. So, I mean, something like that could be implemented for like yeah. smaller tournaments. I don't know if you could do it for like a Grand Prix when you're trying to be like a thousand people or whatever. But yeah, just that that could be fun. I could be on board with that. You probably could just because of the Grand Prix. I think it's going to be so top heavy with whatever the best deck is. Yeah, usually that's true. But like, I think a lot of times it's too easy for Magic community. I think to think of like your deck was interesting, but it didn't beat anything, so I don't care. You know, what I mean? I like, think you, you, it absolutely should be a deck. You know that it did reasonably well. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't get because like even the raw deal, like you couldn't. You know, you had to. <laughs> You had to at least win enough to where you were the, you know, the, the best yeah, representative. You at least you just went like 50%, right? Yeah. You had to, to get the bottom, like get those 30, 31, 32 slots, right? So that, that makes sense. Yeah, because if you just won one or two games, somebody else would have <laughs> a less represented deck that won at least five or six. Yeah, another interesting thing. Man, I'm just thinking there's so many games that have interesting stuff. Um, Legend of the Five Rings, you know, that was based on whole like, the old Japanese samurai, you know, whatever, in different clans and stuff like that. They had a deal where their big events determine the directions of the story. So if your clan won or the person, like each person in the event, like your deck represented a clan or whatever, right? If you 
one, then your clan got some advantage in the story for the next six months or a year or whatever. Yeah. And then there were also themed prizes based on that. And then I remember one, they even did a deal where like the person that won got to determine the outcome of the story or whatever. So like they could either have a thing happen or they could bring a character back or something that had died or whatever. And then it's permanent. I would love something like that. Yeah. So then it's like permanent for lore, which is, Pretty wild. I and again, I you think imagine we, somebody could bring Gideon back or something. Else. Well, yeah, right. If you're a big, big ass Gideon, Mark, right, and you're just like, man, it sucks that my favorite planeswalker's dead or whatever. Or hell, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're a a fanboy of like Domri, right? Like who died yeah. during the War of the Spark, and you're like, man, Domri went out like a punk. He needs to come back. <laughs> so I can get, you know what I mean? Like you win the tournament, like you you yeah. get to have Domri come back at some point, right? So that that could be a cool addition. I, I could be on board with that. I, I would enjoy that, too. And I want to say, uh, I think one of the Street Fighter slash Mortal Kombat fighting systems had a thing like that, too, where the kind of what happened in the, in the tournaments determined who would win the big battle between the different factions or whatever. Oh, see, I didn't know that. I, don't remember, cool. I think both of those have had a couple of incarnations. I don't remember which incarnation, but I, I want to say one of them had something like that also. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's like there's so many options out there of stuff I think we could still do. I still think uh, the versus qualifier system for as much as I think, you know, they were really trying to be innovative. Like one of the things they had was qualifier points. And I think Wizards tried this on a small scale. But basically, every time you finish in the top eight, I think like fifth through eight was one point. uh, Third and fourth was like two points two or three and then like second was like five points or something and then first year obviously just got your invite that and then was if, my, but my bad b was when versus went belly up i had nine points and it took 10 to qualify for the pro circuit oh that's cold <laughs> but yeah and it, it, it also i think if you did like you day twoed one of the 10ks or something i think some of those had like a point or something but it was cool because it just kept your record in the system and if you had 10 points you could qualify for the next event and you can go play in the pro circuit or whatever it was. So something like that, I think, could be cool, too. Because, man, I will tell you, there in, in every region in the U.S., there are some players that are basically end bosses, right? Yeah. That you are going to play, and they are going to be a hard out every single time. Like, you, you, that is not the person you want to run into on your winning end in round six or seven or whatever, right? That's, that's not right. what you want, right? But every... I, every place I've played, it doesn't matter if I'm playing in the Midwest, in Texas, in California, like there's always a person. Somebody goes like, oh, yeah, that's so and so, you know, they've they've played on the pro tour. <laughs> they've won this many things, you know, but they're trying to get back on the train or whatever. Right. Yeah. And that person, they're top aiding every event, you know, and maybe they just get unlucky and don't win the invite two or three times. Like if somebody's put in the amount of time and effort, especially if you've traveled to go to three, four qualifiers and you've made top eight every time, like at some point we kind of go like, you're obviously good enough. You know what I mean? Like you maybe you got a bad beat here or there. You got a couple of bad matchups. Maybe you made one critical mistake because of the pressure or whatever, but like you're good enough. You're not that much worse than the first place person when you finish second twice. Right. You know? So it's like, yeah, let's get those people some invites and get them in there. I, I think the, I think they call them fractional invites. Where you, where you got a portion. But I, I'm good with that, too. I think that could be a lot of fun. 
But yeah, man, I don't know. I feel like there's so many man, different things. Fractable device. Like it comes back to Steiner math. Yeah, <laughs> not thirty three. You get a third percent better than me. Yep. But what you don't know, Kurt Angle, is because Samoa Joe is in the match. Your percentage goes down to thirty three and a third. But now I've got a hundred and twenty three and third percent. Like, like, what are you talking about? Did like, you see the one where Wendy's went in on that? Oh yeah, that was good. Wendy's has the best social media. Yeah, Wendy, Wendy's, Wendy's is goaded for social media. Like, I mean, anybody who argues that, I'm like, because what I say about that is whoever is in charge of that, they do such a good job of like, they even understand the level of how to roast each person. Yep. Because like, if it's a person they don't know and it's just like a fan or whatever, like they're careful. Like they'll they'll still come hard at you, but there's a limit. But like when one, another brand comes on and wants yep. to get into it with Wendy's or threatens with Wendy's to roast them, Man, they'll go hard. <laughs> like, or if it's somebody like Matt Hardy that obviously gets the joke. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, they'll go hard on some people. I'm like, that, and to me, that is how the, when people say they're edgy or whatever, like, that's how it's supposed to be done. Yeah. Right? Like, you can say some things that are on the line or whatever, but you have to understand your audience who you're talking to, because that's actually pretty damn funny. But, yeah, I think the organized play thing, there's so many ways it could go. And I feel like no matter what they announce, people aren't going to be happy with it. But, hell, I saw something recent. I was reading last week that uh, Brian Gottlieb posted a story that he was writing about that uh, the company with Flesh and Blood has decided that they're going to let people sell invites if they want to. I did see that. Yeah. So if you have an invite that you're not going to use, you can be like, cool, I'll just make it available on eBay or whatever or social media. You pay me for it. I'll contact the company, tell them, hey, pass my invite to this person. And that's it. They got an invite. That, I, mean, I think that's very practical because so many people, you know, winning and just for whatever, you know, life gets in the way and you can't go to the thing. But at least that way, you know, you can, you know, get get some of the we, we all know how much money you spent to qualify to get an invite to a pro tournament. Yeah. Like and I, I don't have a problem with it. Like, because here's my thing years ago. Back before I was a has been, <laughs> I I was actually the old system was terrible, but I was I was in the top hundred worldwide in the rankings or whatever for Magic. At one point though, I did top. I was like a top twenty player for like a week. <laughs> Just <laughs> saying, but I believe me, I was not a top twenty player in the world. I really wasn't. I, at one point, if you'd have asked me, I would have probably said I was a top hundred, maybe, but definitely was never a top twenty player. And some of that's just young, dumb ego. So take that for what it is. But I was qualified because of that. Because what they did is they, I believe they would take the top 100 players plus all the people that were already qualified via other things, right? Your pro points, winning Grand Prix, whatever. And then out of all those people, they would go down the list of the top 100 and then they would take the next person down for each person that already had an invite. So let's say of the top 100, let's say 35 or 40 of them 40 of them already qualified through some other method. So they would go all the way down to 140th place, right? Well, my problem was when I was ranked in the top 100, I was still trying to run a business. Yeah. You know, I was, st- I was still learning stuff. Like I could, I had stuff coming up. I couldn't justify not being there for it for like four or five days to travel to, I don't know, France to go play magic or whatever. So I actually contacted wizards at one point. It's like, Hey, is there any way I could at least have my invite skipped over? So somebody else, isn't missing a spot because it felt kind of crappy, right? That like yeah. somebody else isn't getting to go play that. I know that means a lot to somebody 
but I know 100% I can't use this, at least for the next couple of events based on, you know, how the, the dates fall. And they were just like, no, the only way is like if you play and then your rating falls. Blah, blah. But then the problem was like, I didn't want to just like tank my rating right? because nine months from now, I probably do want to go to an event or whatever. Like, I don't know. Maybe I will. But like, I want the option there when the time comes. So it's kind of an ugly system. But if I could have just like, hey, I'll pass my invite to this other person or I'll run a tournament for it and raise some money for a thing. And winner gets the invite. You know what I mean? There's a bunch of stuff you could do with it if you could transfer the invite. So I think that could be fun too. I'm I'm on board for that being an option. I think what's wild is a lot of people, people within each game, honestly, and I know this from running a business and having to run a lot of different games, people don't even know what's possible because they only know how their game does it. Yeah. So, you know, the like we said, the versus players, the Warhammer players, the raw deal players, the magic players, like they all only kind of know one thing because they're like, oh, well, this is obviously the thing that works and we've been doing it for a while and it's great. And it's like, well, yeah, but this other group does this other thing. This is actually a viable option. So I don't know what Wizards has researched, who they talk to, how what they're planning, but I like the idea that maybe this is a fresh start. You know, like COVID blew everything up. We got to just slice everything off cold turkey. And we say, okay, let's start fresh new qualifier system maybe new point system i don't know new way prizes are going to be doled out how we pick locations are we still going to do regional pro tours are we just going to do like maybe one set of regional ones and one big one do we come back to having u.s nationals events or just nationals events in general for different places i mean really doors wide open and we talked about it on the pre-show how basically <laughs> this is the only way we were ever going to get a hard reset because under what other circumstance would we just shut down and be away from each other physically for two years? There was no other scenario that would cause that to happen. Yeah, and it's and it's tough. Like, don't get me wrong, Wizards has made a ton of changes over the years. Yeah, to the to the organized play system, but everything was always just like incremental changes because. Any big changes, I think we're going to be too drastic for anything. And and even behind the scenes, I don't even mean just like us as qualifying and getting points or whatever and prizes behind the scenes, because it was a big deal for them to go, OK, we're going to let just these one or two companies run all of our Grand Prix or whatever. Right. And that like shook everyone, you know, to the point that some people were mad about it, <laughs> like angry. Right. And it's like, uh, but I get why they tried it. Now, did I agree with it? Eh, not so much, because I think there was a lot of good TOs that should still be. And don't be wrong, no hate to Channel Fireball. That's not what I'm saying at all. But there are a lot of good tournament organizers over the years that probably should still be running events. You know, I tell people all the time, Steve Port was one of the best tournament organizers. I mean, and I've gotten to know him over the years, and we're friends now, but, like, one of the best tournament organizers. Like, a lot of the small stuff, too, that I don't think people realize, when you go to an event and you see how, like, Lines are queued up for side events, how you have that scrolling board that shows all the pairings scrolling up on it or whatever. A lot of that came from all these different TOs working with their communities or whatever and coming up with solutions. And then everybody borrowed it. So you started seeing it everywhere. Then the next person does a certain thing. And, you know, you know, the prize wall was a thing and blah, blah. Like this is stuff that was innovated by all these folks. So I feel like it was really good having these people involved. Because it's more minds trying to solve more problems and get us where we want to go. Now, will we go back to that? Again, no idea. I don't know at all what to expect on this announcement this week. But 
And if this, you don't, I certainly don't. <laughs> yeah, like I said, only thing I know is qualifier system. I'm pretty sure is going to be a thing. Qualifiers happening at local stores. Which ones? I don't know. Probably your WPN stores because they're, they're more prominent. But yeah, I, 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 I'll be interested. This, this is the first announcement I have been, I don't know if I'd say excited for, but very interested in from Wizards of the Coast. Because even as a content creator, this has potential to shake up a lot of things. Like, And, and here's the first thing I would say. The one thing I would really keep eyes on, if standard is going to be used, which I would 99% sure it will be because standard's good for, for Wizards of the Coast. People play new cards, they buy new cards, store sell new cards, they sell more boxes, they sell more boosters, whatever, right? Good for business. So standard will be used for some number of Grand Prix and or qualifier seasons. If this is true... There are several standard cards that are going to go very high up in price. Because I tell people right now, there's your Meat Hook Massacres, your Goldspan Dragons, you know, whatever. Those are pricey now, and a lot mm-hmm. of people haven't been playing standard. Right. Not in paper. So just keep your eyes on that. Like the Wandering Emperor is in like six or seven big decks right now. And it's a Mythic Rare from the latest set. Just take that for what it is. I'm not telling you to rush out, buy a bunch of cards, but just pay attention to the announcement because it's going to have ramifications and potentially is good for me as a content creator that does a lot of standard content. Yep. I mean, a bunch of people start looking for videos, deck ideas, whatever. That could be good as well. So there's a lot of implications from this announcement, but we just got to wait and see what it is. Well, all right. We're getting close to the hour. So you know what that means. It's time to break out the dishes and have a conversation around the dinner table. And, you know, this to me, of all the conversations we have, like this is, we kind of get these every once in a while that it feel like genuine, true conversations we would probably have over dinner. And I'm going to be honest here. Like a few people reached out to talk about the elephant in the room (laughs) that happened on the Oscars. I said, oh, I can't wait till I talk about it. Oh, you're going to have to put this on the show. Uh, you're going to do this thing. And like, and I was pretty reluctant at first, but I said, you know what? If enough of y'all really want to hear. And, and I think I, I'm going to be honest, Brian. Like, I think why it bothered me is it sort of felt like, well, how does the prominent black dude I know feel about this? <laughs> you, know I mean? you know what I mean? Like, and nothing, nothing against anybody. I mean, I get it. If you don't know, all, all black people in the any form of media are required to talk about this by law. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, but but if you don't know, I get it. Because there's because I've had that thought, right? There's been some stuff that's happened to like this feels kind of effed up. I wonder how women feel about this. Like, you know what I mean? Because like you don't, you don't know, so you try to start going to ask some women. You know, like hey, I'm you, glad people are asking. You yeah, know? Like, did, you, did you see the news today? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I've done that before. Like. Yo, I don't want to be weird about this, but like, did you see what happened? You know, like, because because you're curious, right? Like, because and but to be fair, that's how you expand your perspective. Yeah. I mean, it may feel annoying or sound weird or whatever, but the truth is people can't learn without asking. And at least they have people that they can go to or follow or trust to have an opinion. And plus, I'm a comedian. So, you know, people are here. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Like, so I get it. I will say this, though. I, I mostly... Like, the facts are what they are. We saw it. It's done. I, I Go follow me on Twitter. I have, like, two or three threads that I go deep on the whole thing. 
go have fun with that. Uh, they're no more than like two days old by the time you listen to this, probably. Are, are the facts done? I heard there was an Illuminati signal displayed. <laughs> Dude, somebody's probably got that out there somewhere. Oh, yeah, I saw it where somebody was, was literally saying that Will Smith was doing the Illuminati sign as he slapped him. Oh, are you really? that for real? I thought you were just joking. No, no. Somebody really oh, had that God. out there on social media. Like... I don't know whether that's saying that the Illuminati is part of this, you know, saying that it's staged Illuminati symbol or the Illuminati told me to slap you. And Literally, everybody hates Chris, including the Illuminati. That's right. what that means. No, but, but I want to talk about it from a different stance because, one, all these people are like, violence is never right, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know what? Hold that same energy the next time you see a dude getting beat down by an officer and being like, well, he should have just complied. You know, like, whatever. <laughs> Like, whatever. People feel going to how they feel. I get it. But what I wanted to talk about, because I because I like to just I don't want to just take the incident and we'll just rehash it 50 times like everybody else has. There's plenty, plenty of that online right now. But what I want to talk about is just having an understanding of things in life. Can be acceptable, even though we don't necessarily agree with them. Like. We don't necessarily agree with the action, but we understand why the action happened. And, and the example I use for some people that I shared on, on Facebook, I believe, this week was imagine somebody broken starving. They go into a store, I don't know, steal a loaf of bread or one of those rotisserie chickens or whatever. The action is still punishable. We don't agree with theft but I understand how and why it happened. You know, the moral thing of if somebody gave you a gun and you can go back in time and kill Hitler, when do you kill him? Because killing a person is still wrong, but I would understand how and why you did it. Right. And I think that's kind of what's going on here. Like people kept getting hung up on, well, hitting somebody's wrong. I'm like, okay, cool. A bunch of us believe somebody's hitting somebody is wrong, but we can kind of understand Right. Because we talked about it offline, like there's history between these three people. And I think that's a thing that a lot of people are ignoring in the general context of like they all go way back. Like Chris Rock was was hanging out with Will Smith and he was on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and whatever back in like, what, 98. Right. So they go way back. And Chris has worked with Jada in on Madagascar and some other projects. Right. So they know each other. They've hung out at social functions together. They've done fundraiser things. Like, so there's a history there. And we already know that Chris Rocket made jokes. He Hell, he did a whole movie making fun of the good hair, which if you're black, you know, you know, right? Yeah. But like, that's a thing he did years ago, right? So he's even got a history of making fun of black women's hair. And then, and this is the part, the only part specific I'll bring up about this is that I think everybody's missing some other context to the whole thing. That when he bombs the joke, he immediately goes, ah, come on. And he looks right, at least from the camera angle I could see, it looks like he's looking at Will and Jada and says, that was a nice one. You know, and that to me came up when I rewatched it a couple of times. There's something there that is like, I know something I could talk about. Or you're lucky that's all I said. You know what I mean? Like it, there's there's a little intentionality there that I feel like that was the thing. 
like all right so now it was already a tasteless joke or whatever like it, it rubbed it a bunch bad. of people it was just bad it, yeah. it was just it was mean-spirited and not funny but you know as well as i do as a comedian if you you bomb the joke don't needle it <laughs> like just just let it fall and try to move on to the next joke and make it make it better but he tried to double down on it well, I, mean, I think there's like Carson, for example, was a master of, you know, okay, okay, that joke bombed. He'd be like, who wrote that one? Or that person's yeah, fired. Exactly. So it can be done, but no, you don't probably well, keep needling the same person if the joke didn't land. That's what I'm saying, right? And he, he went down on it again, and I was like, yep. And then I said, you combine that with Will Smith's acceptance speech, and I'm just like, yo, dog, like somebody needs to give him a hug. He, he's, he is not okay right now. I don't know what happened, but I told people the only time we saw last time we saw Will Smith act like this was like 25 years ago when he wrote, you saw my blinker, bitch. That was that was the last time we saw this version of Will Smith. Like something's wrong. But and I, I don't know what it is, but to me, it felt like there was more there. Right. So. Whole level of personal stuff. Also, you're talking about rich people, whatever, like they're in a whole class of society we got nothing to do with. But it, to me, it brought up that whole thing of there are sometimes things in life that happen that I like we talk about, like you've probably had that neighbor that stomps too loud in the apartment above you or whatever. And like if you went up and politely tried to talk to them four or five times and they keep doing whatever, if you do something back to annoy your neighbor, it's kind of stupid. But like, I don't fault you for it. I get it. Right. It's wrong, but I get it. Like, you know, those you've seen those people, right, that. They'll be yeah. talking trash to somebody talking about getting in their face. Like, I dare you to hit me, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then sometimes they get hit. I, I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably too old. Cause I just keep thinking like, especially as a black man, like we don't have the right to behave like that. Oh, ever. oh we, we definitely don't. And that, and that's what it's really comes down to at the end of the day. It's people are making a bigger deal out of it. Honestly, I think because it is two black guys of status that are doing it. Man, we 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 can get killed for much less than what we saw transpire right there. Oh, you ain't lying. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah, that is true. You know, and that's why I said part of the argument is they're also just in a different class of society, whether we like it or not. They got more money, more people, more yes men. Ain't nobody gonna throw either of them out of the award show for that. Like people calling for all that. I'm like, y'all don't understand society and people at all because there wasn't no way either one of them was getting thrown out now if that had turned to fisticuffs for real then then would they would have pulled people and, and tossed folks but they ain't gonna for a slap they ain't sending nobody out of there like especially when you understand the fact that will smith is 50 pounds heavier at least and a few inches taller and he knows some boxing techniques. I wonder what the conversation was, because I don't know another situation where anything like that has happened before. So, I mean, it, no, definitely not. And that's what I'm saying. Like, they, they've it, had people, you know, get on stage before they do one on stage. But this first time anybody, as, as far as I know, has got up there and slapped somebody. Like I said, I, I, the whole thing feels personal to me. Like, there, the more I looked at it and I rewatched it and I'm watching kind of like the inflection and, and, where people are looking and whatever, like, yeah, something's going on. Something. And all for all I know, maybe he even talked to Chris rocks and confided in him sometime over the last few months for some personal issues or whatever. And then that's basically him taking Chris rock, threatening to, to bring up some stuff that maybe he was supposed to keep private or whatever. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Could have been like, dude, I'm telling you something in confidence, you whatever. And then now you're threatening to put it out on national TV or whatever. It's like, uh, 
Uh, it still ain't right. Don't get me wrong. And I think that's the thing. People keep coming back. Like, I'm not justifying him hitting somebody. Like, if there were to be, if Chris Rock wanted to press charges and whatever, makes perfect sense to me. Jim Carrey said he'd sue him for $200 million. Yeah. If, if he wanted to be sued, sue him. Whatever. Great. I mean, you wouldn't get $200 million, but whatever. You can still file the case. But I'm not mad that he did it. You know, and I think that's the part people have trouble with. I'm not condoning it. And I, a suit like that, I don't think you necessarily, or well, you're actually not going to get 200 million, but you would conceivably cost him 15 or 20 million oh, just yeah, in terms sure. of, like, if you look at, for example, the Johnny Depp situation, where had Johnny Depp just sat down and taken the L, he's probably still working right now. But no, he went, to, he went and sued Amber Heard for, for defamation of character. Then a judge said in court, well, look at the product of the evidence. It seems to me like you did beat her, and now his mm-hmm. career is done. Yep, dude messed up. He should have, again, you could have done the Mel Gibson and just paid somebody and walk away for a while. Because it was just, he said, she said, till you took it to court. Now we got a judge on record saying, yeah, look at what I see here. Uh, yep. I believe you hit her. <laughs> and it, funny, do you remember the story with Paul McCartney and his ex when they were separating? Oh, yeah, I believe. Yeah, she he ended up he he was going to give her a sweet deal. He was like, I'm going to some big old amount of money. Like he was going to give her like two hundred million dollars. He was going to pay for the house, pay for all the kids education, blah, blah, whatever. Right. And she was playing like, nah, I deserve more because I was by your side. Whatever. She wanted like all portion of the Beatles money. Right. And she went to court, by the way, trying to like mistake trying to sue a beetle in england seems like suicide run like that's like playing paying playing judge on hard mode but like (laughs) like for real like you're playing courtroom on hard mode like but she went for it and man she she wasn't even married to him during that time oh no exactly she got awarded like half of what he was gonna give her like he was only legally obligated to give her i think it was a little less than half of what he initially told her he was gonna give her and i was like yeah that plan messed up (laughs) but yeah you know they're basically royalty over there so you know whatever but yeah i I think we have to look at things not always so black and white and i think we everything's so plus minus just binary on everything and i think some of that comes from social media and the conversations we have and everything else but there is a lot of gray space to a lot of arguments to a lot of situations in life not everything is just this is right or wrong and I think it's hard for people to understand that because I mean, and this is what else I told people, like how many friends do you have or have had in the past? Maybe they're not friends now, but somebody said something about them or didn't like them for some reason or whatever, but you were still like, yeah, but they've done a bunch of good things. and I've known them for a few years. We're cool. Like somebody else is probably judging you for hanging out with them or whatever, but like you still found gray space for things you wanted to find gray space for. And I'm not saying it's good or bad or whatever, but it's like, we all do it for different things. And I think when it comes to stuff like this, we have to be smart enough to say like, yes, we all get that a dude getting slapped, especially on national TV with a couple million people watching and subsequently a probably a hundred million people around the world seeing it pretty stupid. Yeah, I'm frightened at how white the Oscars are going to be next year. Well, maybe. (laughs) 
And and how, here's the other point to this. My understanding is Will and Jada were some of the people really pushing the academy to try to diversify the host and have more black yeah. hosts or whatever. And then this happened. Yeah. I mean, remember when that was one of Chris Rock's jokes, you know, when Jada protested. That's kind of where a lot of some of the history here. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, there's there's a lot of history there. So, like, again, don't take any of us saying, like, we ain't mad at it as being we think it's totally right. Some people feel that way. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of people I've spoken to and myself included saying it's not right. He did what he did, but I totally get it. And I ain't going to judge him for it. If you go up to a Nazi and you Captain America punch him, it's still wrong, but I ain't going to judge you for it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, there's some gray space I'm going to be all right with. Like, that, that's, it just is what it is. Right or wrong, I'm just saying there's some gray space there. So, yeah, it's it's a tough one, man. I think it's a tough one. But I, I think it's good that it at least starts those conversations. Because I think there is a lot more, there are a lot more situations with that gray area than we're really even aware of till you start breaking stuff down. And I think that's why we always have to keep asking questions about things. Because there's a lot of stuff we just, like I said, even, even the initial thing from that, I had to go back and rewatch a couple times. And then I'm kind of like, okay, let me listen to these people talk and whatever. And like, you start putting stuff together and you realize there's a lot of stuff at play right now. So again, even though I don't think it's right, I was like, eh, I kind of get it. I see where this could have boiled up and some stuff happened. And we're only talking about it because it's two rich dudes who did it on public TV. If that had happened at an after party or whatever, like if Will Smith would have been cool and they'd have went to Jay-Z's after party and stuff would have happened, It'd have been like some blurb on TMZ and nobody would have cared. You know what I mean? And, and credit, speaking of credit to Diddy, by the way, because he came up later and was like, man, them two, we're going to settle that like family at Jay-Z's after party later. And just went ahead and just announced the next thing. like that. And I'm like, that's how you do it. Just like, these are two dudes we know. They know each other. Like, We'll just go talk it out later. Whatever. Credit, credit to Chris Rock for being able to perf- continue performing after that. Credit to Amy Schumer with you just like, hey, what you kind of like, what did I miss? The vibe's different in here. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, I mean, and, and I will give credit to Chris Rock because, like, you could tell he was shook for a second. Yeah. Like, that's understandable. Yeah, I'd have been too. I mean, no lie. I'd have been, it ain't his fault, but you could tell because he ain't never quiet. No, and he took. You could take that. Like he literally like took a breath in, composed himself, like figured out what happened. You know, like it, man, whole thing wild, just wild. But yeah, I I think that's the bigger issue. Is like let's try to make room for that level of empathy. Not saying that the empathy should forgive what some people may see as a heinous action, but at least have an understanding of how these actions come about. Because I think we can apply our learnings from those things to a lot of other things, you know, and it makes conversations kind of it kind of broadens conversations, I think, to just have understanding of why people are motivated to do certain things. Because, yeah, that that whole thing was wild. And everybody's just talking about either, well, he's wrong. He shouldn't have done it. He should be arrested, blah, blah, whatever. Or why is he defending this and not defending the monogamous issues they had or whatever. And it's like, 
Dude, those things, I mean, come on. Like, we got to talk about the issues at hand. But yeah. I, I think for a lot of people, that is the issue because they don't understand. Uh, yeah, I guess like you're right. Jesus. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, and everybody's going to treat things differently. Everybody's got different things going on. So, yeah, empathy. It's a thing. Hey, all right, Brian, where you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? Right. I am Brian Sonic on uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and our family channel on YouTube is Allen's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N on most social platforms. And I want to say, as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And please take care of yourself and your family while we're still trying to get through the back end of COVID, because I heard recently the GDC convention might have been a small spreader event. Oh, boy. Congratulations to the dude bros there. But... Take care of yourself. Remember to be awesome. Be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.